Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. And I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. Shelly, did you know that some of us are dabblers, some of us are obsessives, and some of us are hackers? Which one are you? Well, I'm not sure. What are they? (laughs) They're basically just different approaches many people take to learning. And some of these ideas come from George Leonard's Mastery that I just finished reading. And the dabbler loves when things are new, just loves the shiny new object and everything about starting something. The obsessive is focused on getting results as fast as possible. And the hacker gets good enough at something and is fine where she or he is. Okay, well, I don't love really any of the options. Is there a better one? Well, you know, we can probably all recognize ourselves in maybe a combination of these learning styles. And yes, there is a problem with them all because we never get on the road to mastery with them. They aren't the stuff of lifelong learning. Okay, that's me. I want to be a master. (laughs) Yeah, well, certainly... When we are patient and stick with our learning day in and day out, we are definitely more on the path. But with all that said, many of us begin to experience change and then we hit this plateau. And, you know, really, if you think about it, most of life is made up of these plateau periods, that long period of time when you're just sticking with it, you're pushing hard, you're staying strong. And nothing seems to be happening. Or then we begin to experience change and then we run into all this resistance. Yes. And we might begin to think this shiny new object or all this efforting isn't worth it. And we criticize ourselves for even trying. And we begin to use language, which you could probably just, it's an external way that you can hear your thinking. And we start telling ourselves negative stories and we think, you know, hey, we're just being real and Mm -hmm. we give up. Mm -hmm. I I think that pattern happens a lot for a lot of us. I do too. And that is why for all of the change and all of the positive thinking, all of the envisioning that we encourage people to do, we also really want to pause and reflect on what happens when we begin to push and make some change. And I would say not even push, mm, but, mm-hmm. but just the simple decision that we want to change something without pushing, I think can create that resistance. So it can be even just something quite small that is changing who we are, our identity, our behaviors, our habits, that stuff's really, it can be, um, can be difficult. Yes, for real. Uh, Good point. And, you know, I think I want us to start off with an encouraging quote from Thoreau, which is, before we even get going here, he writes, I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of humans to elevate their life by conscious endeavor. 
go Thoreau. <laughs> he was at least making some meaning in those woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, okay. Before we get going, you know, there's a very real re- before we get going on like how to push through resistance. Let's, let's just kind of pause for a minute and think about like, why do our bodies, why do they, why do they resist change? Whether it's good change or bad change. And I would say that, you know, when you think about like, there's a really good survival strategy for it because in in a way change is sort of like stress. There's a stress response and it with the body and whether it's the personality structure, whatever, we have a defense mechanism that's intended to help us deal with stress and the multitude of situations that we might be thrown into at any given moment. And it protects us. Stress protects us and, and really like has helped us survive for a really long time. So I think I just wanted to begin with that idea. Yeah, I think I just to clarify just a little bit that it it's the link between change and stress is novelty. And so anytime there's, you know, we're trying to change something, inherent in that is newness. And so when we invite something new into our lives, we are also inviting unknown, which feel can feel threatening to our our structure, our way we do things, our habits, our patterns. And so that's where the stress comes from is this idea that, oh, you're changing something. You're, this is new. This is unknown. This is potentially threatening. Why are you doing this? Stay safe. Um, So I think that's, you know, a little bit of the link uh, that you're mentioning. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm also thinking it's not just our own selves that resist the change. You know, uh, you may be, it may be your shiny new object. You may be excited about all the change that you're going through. You may even put it down in writing. You may have just come off of reading James Clears's Atomic Habits or Daniel Pink's Win, like I did and really got charged up about it. You, you know, you may be doing your new routine or habit habit and everything is working and it feels good when you're doing it and you tell your friends and your family and they're not maybe as excited as you think but regardless of whether they're they're seeing the positive results or not because you know they might be resisting the the change whether unconsciously usually unconsciously but then it happens you start to feel like you're slipping back into your old self why? Does it mean that you suck? Does it mean you shouldn't try because it's useless against the many forces pushing against you? Does it mean that you even, we've talked a little bit about willpower before, does it mean that you lack willpower? Well, I'm going to say that regression to the mean, or what we would call backsliding, as you just you know indicated, is probably a pretty universal experience. Uh, and... Our bodies, this is, a, I think, a fundamental takeaway that just to really emphasize this for everybody, whether you're trying to change for the better or worse, you, your body will resist the change. Mm-hmm. I find that surprising. Yeah. Um, so in, in a lot of psychological circles, we talk about the set point, 
that there we do have a kind of a default set point. Um, I first learned about this concept in positive psychology mm-hmm. that we, you know, forty percent of our happiness set point is genetic. And so the fact that forty percent of how we kind of approach um, our worldview is kind of this default, um, and we're really talking about homeostasis here. Yes. And so we should probably define a little bit about what homeostasis is, how it functions. Um, just you know, when you have resistance and you're backsliding, you're that just means all your systems are working as they should. It, that hmm. every system in our body. Uh, and even in our our minds, um, identified by this idea of a set point, they work in um, in concert with one another to create a homeostatic uh, environment that you for you to live in. And so, anytime we disrupt that, if it's positive change, negative change, it doesn't matter. There will be this natural resistance because of how your systems want to function. So homeostasis, let's define that first, is a tendency toward a relatively stable equilibrium between interdependent elements. So that all that means is that when there's a system, whether it's all your organs working together, your neurons working together, people in a workplace working together, when you have these interdependent systems, there's this phenomenon that happens that creates stability. Um, And so we all kind of start to gel together. The systems work together. And the attempt to coexist is what we, we call homeostasis. Right. Yeah. I think a quick, easy example of that, speaking of set points, is like if you think about the thermostat in your home, you know, it requires one feedback loop. When the temperature gets to a certain point, the the uh, indicator goes off and our system turns on. And then when the temperature rises to a certain point, it sets off. Well, in our body, Apparently, we have about 150,000 nerve endings close to the surface of our skin that are sensitive to the loss of heat from our body and another 16,000 or so, just a little bit deeper, that alert us to the entry of heat from outside. And the hypothalamus at the base of the brain is picking up on even the tiniest little change of temperature in the blood. So very like, just like, just to show what a complex organism that we have, this isn't a one, a one, a one set point of indicating change there. This is highly complex, how we're regulated to resist change. Yeah. And I, I guess I first learned about homeostasis, um, in family systems work, like really understanding how family systems function Mm -hmm. and how every member of the family takes on different roles. And in order to, kind of uh, absorb the energy that's moving, the emotional skin of the family and to, in order to create homeostasis. And so every family, you know, again, this isn't conscious. We're not aware of like, oh, I'm doing this to create homeostasis in my family of origin. But it does um, 
when you can observe kind of the family functioning, how you create stability in a family, even when it's dysfunctional, yeah. we, we want to keep things kind of, even chaotic things, we try to keep them stable. Well, let's, I mean, I can give a perfect example of that. I'm thinking of like, what if uh, a father is an alcoholic in a family and about every six to eight weeks, he goes on a binge where the, he, whatever, he's violent, he breaks things, he really disrupts the peace and harmony in the environment. And, uh, you know, then he apologizes or whatever and makes amends and does it all over again for for several years. He's mm-hmm. doing this. And then suddenly he has a reckoning with his behavior and just stops. And then the family notices that, like, why is the youngest daughter uh, every several weeks beginning to act out Mm -hmm. and disrupt the family with certain behaviors. It's all unconscious. It's the, it's the skin that we're all connected to, like you were talking about, but that is like a, a, a sort of a negative way that in a family system, people, um, try to achieve, Homeostasis. Yeah, and in that example, even though it's out of chaos, it's known chaos. And so right. what systems do is they, you know, they revert they the, to the set point. Well, every six to eight weeks, there's an eruption in this family and that we, and we know that, we predict that, we can plan for that. Um, and that feels safe. And so that's why kind of the system adapts to keep that homeostasis, keep things the way that they are. That's right. So before we get into our top five here, just the idea that resistance itself that you are going to feel when you are, let's say, trying to push forward to something positive. I'm going to put this into a bit of an equation. Resistance is going to be proportional to the size and the speed of the change, not to whether the change is good or bad. Hmm. And just don't be surprised when your friends and family don't necessarily support your change. Well, and this is what that's all about. So if you've ever made changes in your life and even healthy changes, like you're now working out or you're eating better or you're meditating or, you know, you're calmer, like that in a very unconscious level, people in your orbit will work to get you back to, you know, revert to the mean, go back because, because when you change, then I have to change. Um, my famous quote from my therapist, which I love this, I love this is when one person changes their seat on a boat, the other person has to change their seat too. everyone else you have when, so when, when you're changing, um, it changes the system. It changes the homeostasis. And so everybody kind of has to adapt. And some people don't want to do that. So they would rather you just go back to the way you were than make me change. And a lot of times, I mean, hey, we're all all there. We don't want to change unless we say that we want to change, not because somebody else is doing it. Well, let's just tackle our top five here. Number one, point number one. Glad you've made it with us this What is our top five? What are we talking about? Top five ways to sustain the change that you want to be in the world. 
Okay, so these are some these are top five ideas that we have for how you can um, achieve homeostasis in a way that's positive for you, in a way that yeah, allows that you to a- push push through and have the sustainable change that you're wanting in your life, whatever that might be. Um, and again, there's so many habits. Um, I think for me, I'm really focused right now on a writing habit. I've been focused on an alcohol-free habit. I've been focused on um, nutrition and fitness in the past and building that habit. So I think anything you're wanting to change in your life, you will feel resistance, period. It's just going to happen. Here are some ideas for you to begin pulling into your life to use, um, put in your toolbox, your toolbox for when you do feel that resistance. Here are some things you what, what you can actually do with that. And I think number one may be the most important. We're just going to go ahead and hit it with the most important. And it is simply what we've been talking about for the first 15 minutes to be aware of the way that homeostasis works. Just understand literally how it's working. Expect to have resistance. Expect to have backlash. Shelly, yeah. do you remember that quote about like how something like when you feel big resistance, it means something great is about to be born. I forget. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know the exact quote, but you kind of just touched on that. Um, I was reminded of Stephen Pressfield's quote that um, and I can't. How, what did he specifically say? We just saw this. Well, we'll, a, we'll put Stephen Pressfield in the show note links because he is the right War on. of Art. Yeah, I, I believe is his book. I think he and has that, one literally called Resistance. Yeah, and I, I think there's a chapter, but he basically he says that the the amount of your resistance is in proportion to the size of your dream. Mm, yeah. So. It is. There is something weirdly comforting about knowing that it's it's part of change is resistance, part of the process, and knowing that all of your systems, everything, internal systems and external systems, and so by that I mean kind of relational systems, are all created to keep you safe and healthy and, um, you know, functional the way that you are. (laughs) And so when we start to shift those things, just know, like, that's why it's hard. We're, you know, when we get things that feel hard and like we're on slogging through, you know, that sometimes we do want to give up. Like this is, this is real. There's a lot of effort. And I think there's a lot of effort at the beginning and but part of knowing that this is this is a part of the process, I think, is weirdly comforting. Like this is I yeah, can't I can't I get too. around this. I do too. It is like oddly comforting to think about the idea that when you're on even a path of mastery and you are really like intentionally trying to grow, to know that there will be these exciting, exhilarating bursts of growth that you'll recognize that you'll feel and experience. And it'll be again, exhilarating, but that most of the time are going to be those in between times where it feels ordinary, even though you are pushing and you, the comforting part is you can be rest assured that you are growing and it gets easier. I want to say that too. I think there is hope in the homeostasis because it's (laughs) like, as you start to adapt to a new level of being in the world, whatever that change is, 
um, it does get easier. The resistance diminishes, but knowing that it's part of you just honestly like making you successful because you're up leveling your homeostasis, you're creating a new level of homeostasis. Um, and so resistance is part of that. And you'll always be kind of growing and up leveling. Um, for me, like just thinking about um, working out, you know, that's yeah. probably the thing that I've been most cognizant of this year in terms of feeling the resistance. Initially, I hated yeah. going to the Y and doing my, my exercises. And I was, I mean, it was so unnatural. It's not something I would always pride myself on the fact that I didn't work out. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't do that. And it was funny. And, but when I realized like, Oh, I've, I've got a body, I have to take care of it. <laughs> right. Like changing my, my systems to support that new habit was really hard. And I think, I, I think I told you recently, I hated it for like nine months. Like I really didn't, I would, you know, do all the things to start to build a habit, um, around working out. And then it did, it was weird. I and mean, it may mean wasn't quite nine months, but it took a long time for me to really start to look forward to it. There, there was a lot of suffering yeah, in, involved. Like, yeah. And it was, um, um, it, there was an element, I do think of willpower. There was an element of understanding that this was health. This is really good for me. And what I started to notice after just, you know, even a few weeks is I actually did feel better. So I never regretted it. I just really struggled getting there, <laughs> like actually getting to the <laughs> right. why. Um, and then it did the habit it kind of solidified and my homeostasis started changing. Like the habit was built. I, you know, right. I knew like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1130, I had to head to the gym. You weren't negotiating. And it, it, it did take time and the, but it did shift. I guess that's my point. Yeah. Let's see. I want to use two quick examples in my life. One, uh, I am, I am on a, a lifelong journey. So a path of mastery, of wanting to just really grow the of just within my personality structure I'm working on sh becoming aware of how the ego operates trying to shed that and the and the enneagram has really pointed me in some great growth directions and it's going to take years but what gets discouraging at times with homeostasis is you feel like you've made these gigantic leaps and all this growth and then you will find yourself sometimes behaving the exact same way as if you had done no self-awareness work at all. So yeah. that that can be discouraging. But on a maybe a I don't know if it's a lighter note, but a much less important thing is uh, that where I can recognize that I feel like sometimes the dabbler, sometimes the obsessive, sometimes the hacker is with like my commitment to music and like playing the bass. It's like I will like get. I feel like I have very ordinary average abilities, uh, music wise, but I really just enjoy, well, sometimes I enjoy really getting together with my brother, practice playing. And so I will get on these like moments where I get super focused on, I'm going to play the bass at least an hour every day. I'm going to try to put in 10 hours a week of intentional, deliberate practice. And I'll be studying arpeggios and skill, taking these little courses. And then I'll just drop off the planet uh, with it. 
And this has gone on for many years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, it's not as big of a deal. We, there are certain things that, you know, you want to be on a path to mastery on. And some maybe just because, and this leads us to number two, be willing to negotiate with your resistance to change. You, you might in some things just choose to say, it's not as important to me. I do have limits. So that's number two, be willing to negotiate with your resistance to change is that there is a balance here and you can't just barrel through everything like a bull in a China shop. Uh, at the same time though, you know, the balance is that you, you need to be focused enough to be deliberately pushing forward. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of nature right now. And the you know, nature shows us so much how how we too can be. Um, because of course we are nature, as our daughter said the other day. She's like There's human nature. You don't need to be in nature. Like I'm nature, you're nature. We're humans are nature. Oh, the um, wisdom of thirteen year olds. Yeah, which is True, of course. Yeah. And so so I think if we look to nature and we look at, you know, farming, you know, you plant seeds and it takes a year to harvest. It takes time. We evolve. We, you know, that there is this unfolding that happens in all of nature. And so a part of this change process for us as humans and in what homeostasis, I think probably evolutionary serves us to, you know, in our growth because it, it makes us evolve. It makes us um, be patient in the process and that everything has its timing and it's unfolding. And, you know, when we feel the resistance, you know, settling into that. Okay, well, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna stay at this level right now, and I'm gonna keep it small, and I'm gonna keep it doable for me, and give myself patience to evolve into who I'm I'm meant to be, and and that would be my when you're negotiating, quote unquote, negotiating with your resistance. I, my advice is to keep it small. And, you know, there's a ton, the Kaizen approach, like there's a lot of like, you know, keeping it the tiny steps and building from there. And I think that works with our biology. It works with our nature and our evolutionary kind of tendencies. I really like that. So to keep it small, like what's the smallest thing I can do to just start shifting my behavior or my mindset? Um, You know, if it's going to the gym you know, and, and this example, I think maybe have given in James Clear book, um, Atomic Habits, but to keep your shoes by the door, put your shoes on every day, then, you know, wear your tennis shoes around the block, wear them um, to hmm. the gym, but don't go in the gym. And so doing these tiny steps that really start to work with your homeostatic tendency Um it does start to, it does work. It really is effective. And then as you do that more and more, then you do start to see your identity kind of form a new identity form around those new habits. Uh, you made me think with your, with your metaphor of the farming, I was thinking there's some plants like a grapevine that every year they are a little bit more mature and the grapes and their fruit are a little bit better 
And you know, it takes a number of years for the grapes to be mature enough to even be considered to be used for wine. Mm. And also, of course, the metaphor of your field, some seasons needs to lie fallow. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of comparisons. I love the tiny steps. So th- those are some great illustrations. Number three would be to develop a support system. You can do it alone. It's possible. There are some things you can do. You can undertake. You can be very powerful. Shelly uh, sometimes undertakes things just all on her own. And, 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 but a lot of times you recognize it's, that you do need the support system. It's true. Yeah. I, I think for me, like when I go it alone kind of mindset, it's, it's efficiency. Mm. I just want to get stuff done. <laughs> but when I really like recognize that there's kind of a Herculean effort of there's something I want to change and I know it's going to be really hard. That's when I know I need support. Um, so the structure of having a coach or a mentor or a community or someone just to help you kind of think through the change that you're trying to make and help, you know, not only push through resistance, but make sense of it and even honor it a little bit. Like that level of support I have found for me and I'm social dominant, so that may be part of it. Um, and I'm Enneagram social dominant for my instinct, but that's, I really know I need a community around me. Yeah, often you do. And sometimes you'll just, but you'll sometimes in your independent power, you will just, f- just do it. Yeah. And that's usually stuff that I know how to do. Mm. And the change doesn't feel that daunting or the thing in front of me doesn't feel hard. If it's hard and it requires, um, a deeper level of commitment or effort, that's where I, cause I, I know I tend to get overwhelmed and give up. Um, a la my book that I've been writing for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, sometimes I, uh, as a social repressed instinct, have tried to approach everything with this lone wolf instinct that I'm, I can do it all alone and on my own. And I've been gently allowing myself to become a part of groups more and more. And I'm like, where has this been on my life? I think regardless, we all need that social support, maybe in different ways and different levels, but we're all, we're social creatures. Like we, we do need each other. Yes, definitely. All right. Number four. All right. So the number four is follow a regular practice. Um, I, yeah, I think anything that any change is going to require building new habits. And so the, the more you can put them into a daily, weekly, monthly practice, the more likely you are to have success at that. Yeah. And I think here's maybe the, of course you need to follow a regular practice and it may be implied from some of the other things that we have already said, but here is a special part about number four and following the regular practice. It's that you, in order to be able to be comfortable in these plateaus, in order to be able to be on this path of mastery, you need to take pleasure in the practice itself, Mm. because in the end, that's where the great 
majority of your time and your energy is going to be. And I want to say something about this because I mentioned the gym for many, many months. It was not pleasurable, but here's what I'll say. I think there was a some part of me that really did want it and knew that it would be pleasurable. So I, I was willing to forego kind of immediate pleasure, immediate gratification, knowing yeah. that in the long term, it was going to be worth it. And so anything that you desire, any change that you're looking at in your life and you're kind of interested in it, there is a core part of you that knows it's worth the resistance. And so just hold on to that and let that sustain you as you're building a practice because it may not be pleasurable at first. But I think if you want it, then there is some part of you that knows in the end it will be. And, and perhaps paradoxically, practice itself can almost become your homeostasis, that place where your your body is adapting to the new change and then you get into that gym and and you just get, begin to get comfortable and your body begins to go, okay, this is the new, this is the new mm-hmm. level that we're going to be operating at. Yeah. And, and f- oh, go ahead. No, Sorry. no, go ahead. Last one. Finally, number five, dedicate yourself to lifelong learning. You know, we, we tend to forget that Learning is so much more than about book learning or learning about something, which we just talked about in the previous episode. If you haven't heard that one, check it out. So, Because what we are trying to say is that if you're really learning something, then that learning leads to change or the possibility for change. And this will keep you alive and young All the rest of the days of your life, whether you're turning 30 or 40 or 50 (laughs) or even 70 or literally 80. I know we we tend to think, oh, that 80, what do they have to learn? They're, you know, they're, they're headed to the grave so soon. What's, what's the point? Well, I hope that when I'm 80, that I want to keep learning and because there's so much to learn. We're not going to learn it all in just a few decades. I think that learning leads to more learning, like like discovering like, oh, I can change this and I can learn this. And the seeds that you're planting, planting right now are the ones that you will harvest next year at this time. Ooh. And so, and then you'll plant new ones and, and harvest new ones. And so um, that's, you know, there's an upward spiral that happens when we figure out how to learn and that um, that I think that's how we're wired to grow that way. And one thing, Shelly, that you do really well to fire up our audience is you help them get in touch with their why. Hmm. What's your why, Shelly, and how does it motivate you on a daily basis? Yeah, so gosh, that's a that's a big one to end on. But my why is to raise the consciousness um, of the planet and my time here. It's my wow. my own consciousness first and foremost, and then those of the people that I touch. So yeah, it's a pretty big why, but I feel like um, I do that through a lot of emotional work, um, emotional labor with people, a lot of soul work, um, helping people remember why they're actually here, 
um, and that it's not to lose weight and pay bills and you know all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah, so everything I do, I feel like motivates me to that end. Oh, I love that. That is, that's powerful and it is getting you up every day and I need to articulate mine, I think in a little bit of a very clear way. Um, but one thing I will say to everybody is that we tend to idealize what growing up means or being on a deep, deeper path or a spiritual path. And the thing is, it's not always easy. It will often get messier. There are going to be growing pains. It's you know not all rainbows and daylilies. <laughs> and uh, you know, and so anyway, you do need some self compassion for when things, uh, when the going gets tough. And overall, we hope that your one big takeaway for today is just simply to recognize and understand that homeostasis is a real thing that you will experience resistance you know and you can even like think of the title of jack cornfield's book along this line is after the ecstasy the laundry 